welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. We, uh, we're going to continue in our series of Prepared. And so we're in week four, which means we are now officially just barely over halfway through. Are you excited? Hopefully you've enjoyed it. We continue to, to focus on this passage and Paul reminding us that our true identity is in God, is in Christ. It's not our heritage, whatever that may be. We're no longer defined in any way but through our faith, which sounds churchy. Sounds good. What's it mean? Well, let's talk about that, I guess. The church, we are the family of God. We're sisters and brothers. We have an Abba. We have a brother in Christ, and we are connected through the Holy Spirit. Somehow we become a temple. It's weird, but it's good. I say it's weird because if someone came off the street and hasn't heard any of this, and I say, we've become a temple, you all, they'd be like, what are you talking about? It takes a while to kind of learn our Christian ease. But if we understand that we are the family of God and that is the sole lens through which we see ourselves and see this body, it impacts how we see everything. The resistance we face in this effort is not from people, Paul says, but rulers, authority, cosmic powers of darkness, that sounds ominous, and spiritual powers in the heavens or in the air. We call them, for the sake of simplicity and and me having not to repeat that again and again, we call it the powers. Everything about the way of God is good and life-giving, amen? And everything about the powers is the opposite, which means that if you bring the presence of God's way among the powers, they're going to resist because their way is all about greed, violence, they want to dominate, have power, status, and God's way is not that way. So if you bring God's way, there will be resistance. The perfect symbol for this in Paul's day was Rome. A later writer, our our last book in the Bible, actually refers to Caesar specifically as the beast, the representative of the powers of which God's way is in conflict with. It's strange, yes? This is weird talk. Paul knows all too well that this is strange talk because he's sitting in prison as he pens this letter we're reading from because he brings this good news of life and joy and the world doesn't know how to respond to it except to lock it up because that's often what the world does with things it doesn't understand. Silences it or locks it up. Standing up for Jesus in Paul's day meant you were also saying, no, I will not stand for Caesar. This kind of talk stirs up trouble. Amen? There's the right kind of trouble, and that's what it tends to stir up. Paul's writing to Gentiles, people like us, non-Jewish people. The Gentiles are finding hope in Christ, the Jewish Messiah. Again, a strange concept, but they are. They sit at the table of Christ, and bond slaves sit at the table with their masters as equals. You want to talk about weird. Try entering into that relationship at the table and then going back to being bond slaves and masters. It will shake things up. With the power of the gospel, women were empowered to preach, to speak, and to plant churches in Paul's day. That caused a little trouble. It still does, friends. Amen? 
but the right kind of trouble. The old ways of dividing up the world and hierarchies and categories was being upended in this gospel, in the way of God, and this trouble gets noticed by the powers. Powers will respond. That isn't the question. They will respond. And we'll talk about how. We need to be ready to stand watch, which is the good way to translate what Paul's saying. To stand on the day of evil, it's stand watch. Be ready. Be prepared. Prepared in our full armor. The belt of truth, the breastplate of justice, the shoes of the gospel of peace. And today we move into the final three. We'll spend time on one. Now notice in the scripture, Paul says, above all, have the shield of faith. And then he goes on to say to have the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. In Greek, it's all one sentence. Above all things, these three. There's extra weight to these. Number one, the shield of faith. So I want to talk about faith, talk about flaming arrows, and then what it means to us, right? Because all good sermons have flaming arrows. Come on. Faith, as we've been talking about these words, justice, truth, peace, we're going to talk about faith. Say the word emeth. Congratulations, you now speak Hebrew. It means be faithful, to be steadfast, that you can be confident in. It's reliable. Something's emeth. God is emeth. There's a story in Genesis 12 about an older guy. I'm not going to call him old because that gets me in all sorts of trouble, the wrong trouble. Abraham was older. He'd been around a while. He had stuff. He had animals and land and homes and children and not, not children. He had bond slaves who had children. and Anyway, he had a lot of stuff. Living on the land his father lived on, who his father's father and his father's father's father and so on and so forth, lived on. This was his land. God said, hey, Abram, leave. You're going to go somewhere else, a place that isn't yours. Oh, one day, generations from now, it'll be yours, but not today. Come on, let's go. And Abram said what we all would have said. Okay, that sounds great, right? Abram went. There was no sign to confirm that God was worth following and, and putting faith in God other than God spoke to him somehow. I don't know how. That might be enough. If you heard God say today, leave, come with me, you might say, okay, right? Maybe. Be pretty quick. You'd say, wait a second, I got stuff and people and I got to talk to the wife, right, God? Abram went. It was credited as faith, Abram's faith. So a few chapters later, Abram has done almost everything wrong. He's messed up. He's lied. He's put his wife in danger. He's put himself in danger. They've, they've tried some things I'll just tell you to, to read in the Bible about. In Abraham 15, or in Genesis 15, God says in my language, dude, Abram, you've messed it up pretty bad, but I'm going to enter into covenant with you anyway. I'm going to keep my end of the deal. And so they go to make an actual covenant, and there's a ritual for a covenant. And you can read about it in 15, but I'll tell you the cliff notes. You take several animals, you split them in half, you place them on across from each other, and in the middle you dig a trench so all the blood could flow into it. And then you walk down the path with the person you're entering into covenant with. And you say, more or less, if I break my side, may I become like these animals. It's a serious deal. You've seen this covenant, by the way. You've been to a place where they've divided. They put one family here, 
and the other half of the family here, and they've had the couple walk down the middle and make a covenant together. Yeah. Try going to a wedding and seeing that the same. The story in 15 talks about God's faithfulness. God doesn't have Abraham walk the path. He puts him to sleep. Abraham makes the animals, digs it, it's ready, and then he falls into a sleep, and God walks down the path alone, as if to say, look, you've already messed it up. You're going to mess it up again, but I'm going to enter into the covenant on your behalf, and I will be faithful no matter what. That's faithfulness. That's God's faithfulness. That's God's emeth. God's so faithful, God carries us even when we are unfaithful. It's beautiful, this story of blood and trenches. It's funny, it's, it's weird, and it's intriguing, and it's worth exploring another time. The point is emeth, faith. God's faith is uplifted all the time in the Hebrew Scriptures. I'm sure you've heard the term, God has steadfast love. Have you heard that term? Steadfast is faithful. It's the same word. It's emeth. God has faithful love. God honors the covenant even when we do not. And they tested that again and again in Scripture, and we test it again today. But we know that this whole story ultimately leads to Jesus fulfilling the whole covenant on the cross, doing all that needs to be done to help us fulfill it. Came in flesh and blood on our behalf and fulfilled the covenant. It's quite a story, isn't it? So let's talk about New Testament. It's not emeth, it's pistis. Can you say pistis? There you go, you're Greek. This is a little nuanced. You not only have faith, but you act in response to, that is being faithful. You act in response to what it is you trust and believe in. Faithful, faith and faithfulness go hand in hand. If you trust something to happen, you live now as if it will or as good as already done. That's faith or being faithful. Think of Indiana Jones, number three, the last crusade. He has to take a leap of faith. Remember this part of the story? He stands over this bottomless cavern and he's told There's a, there will be a bridge if you have faith in it. And so it comes to the point of the movie where he has to take a step, and he manages to find that bridge. He didn't just believe it. He acted on it. Faith is full confidence to the point where it affects the way you live. You with me? We are to have faith in Christ. It's to affect the way we live. We are to trust that Christ is faithful, and that's to affect the way we live. And then we, we live out our calling in this faith. That's what we're called to do. Paul spells it out multiple times, very simply. Love your neighbors as yourself. That's living faithfully. That's the way God calls us to live. God calls us to live only in good ways. So go and act accordingly. And you will fulfill what God wants us to do. And that's all well and good until we run across a person that is hard to love. Maybe even in the mirror. Now, those flaming arrows. Good stuff. Seems like a strange detail. It is, but it's quite simple. Shields in Paul's day were made of wood. So one great way to destroy them is to shoot a flaming arrow that if you catch the arrow, it sets your shield on fire. So the Romans came up with a clever idea. They covered the shield in leather, and they would soak it in water before going into battle so that when the, when the arrow hit it, it went out. Pretty simple, pretty ingenious. Romans were like that. 
Paul's offering the image to point out that the powers will make their assault on us, and they do all the time. So we're to be armored correctly and ready for these flaming arrows. The powers have an effective weapon for us. They turn us against each other, and they turn us against ourselves. If you're not prepared, the strategy poses a big problem for us. Maybe you've witnessed it a time or two. We can look around everywhere today and see it in each other and in ourselves. We struggle. It's not different today than it ever has been. And in fact, there's a lot of argument that today the world is in much better shape than it ever has been in the history of the world. But still different tribes of people have trouble coexisting. We struggle to trust one another, especially, especially when we don't agree. We struggle to place faith in one another, to be confident in our relationship accordingly. The powers have perfected the art of making us see the world in categories of us and them. And we all do it. Or are you saying, no, I don't do it, it's just them. Just listen, and you'll hear the terms every single day, even in your head, or on the TV, or in your conversations. There'll be blame, there'll be mistrust, and there'll be anger from the us or we in the direction of them or they. We have to watch what we say because we might offend them. Why can't they be more like us? They are the reasons we are having such a hard time. They just need to leave if they don't like how we do it. And a million variations. Living faithfully means we live every moment in response to our faith and we ask, in whom do we place our faith? We all are faithful to something. Every person that walks this planet is faithful to someone or something. Right? Make this be to themselves. The best way to discover what you have faith in is to work it backwards. All right? So whatever you have faith in, you're going to live accordingly to. So how do you live? And that will tell you what you have faith in. And what do you invest your time where do you spend most of your time? Where do you invest your emotions? What makes you really angry or sad right now? Where do you invest your money? What about your allegiance? There was this really cruel game. I say it's cruel now. I'd play with the youth when I was a youth director, and they would write, they'd get 10 pieces of paper and write the 10 things they loved the most on these pieces of paper. And then to help them understand allegiance, I'd have them take five of them and throw them away. They had to choose, what's my top five? And then I'd have them throw three of them away and choose their top two. And then finally choose their top one, throw the other away. It's really, it's a cruel game because often all 10 things were good, even the top two, right? It might be parents or God, because usually they'd do God even if they didn't mean it because it's a youth group and you're supposed to say that. So then which do you throw away? It's one thing to crumple it up and throw it away, but it helps us understand where's our allegiance? What's our one? If we're not investing in God and allowing that faith to determine all of our actions, then we will not be ready when the powers make their assault. Not placing in God, faith in God means you're not loving your neighbor as yourself, all of them, and it means you won't respond well when there's an invitation made to be dismissive or divisive toward another group of people or another person. Not placing your faith in God and investing yourself in God means you are simply not prepared. And we must be prepared. 
I hear all the time from so many people, people that go to this church, people that go to other churches, oh, the state of the world today is just so hopeless, it's so terrible, what's happening to our country, what's happening to our church, and I just hear this negative thing go on and on. And I think this is not preparation. This is not hope. This is not faith. I understand frustration. Things don't always go the way I want them to go either. But is that my one, whatever that thing is? Or am I confident God's already got what really matters taken care of? That I can deal with what's in front of me. It may be hard. It may even crush me at times. But when it comes down to what I invest my time into, what I invest my words towards, what I invest my energy and emotions towards, is it God? Is it something else? If we ever hope to live into our identity as the people of God, to represent God to the world around us, because, friends, it's on us. If we ever hope to nurture unity, not uniformity, unity, if we hope to be the place in this space or, or outside of the space where God's love and peace is shown, then we have to be prepared. In Romans 14 to 15, Paul uplifts this idea, and he says this really strange thing, that people of faith don't see everything the same way. Sometimes they see it exactly opposite. Sometimes it's a matter of faith, and they do not agree. And Paul says, yeah, that happens. He boils it down, and he says this. Whatever your perspective is, whatever it is you're lifting up, it's not what you're lifting up that determines if it's right or wrong. It's not your perspective that determines the judgment. It's the intention of the perspective. If you are lifting it up, seeing things, working toward whatever it is out of worship and devotion and faith in God, then you are right. If it's out of anything else, you are not. Which is really hard for us. We like nice and even and divided and black and white, left and right, yes and no, in and out. We, we like that. Paul says, no, no. That's the powers at work. It's not the outcome that determines the judgment. It's the intent. It's the starting place. It's the motivation. It's where your faith comes from. Is it in God? Is it in something else? The flaming arrows will come. It's not a question of if. It's when. But the good news is, just like that shield is soaked in water and ready, we are soaked in the living water of Jesus Christ when we place our full faith in him in the way that he calls us to live. The Holy Spirit leads us into this life of a deeper faith, and friends, the faith is deep. It makes us more confident, more faithful in God. It makes us more faithful as people. We will be covered in faith when the arrows come. So when you're living your day-to-day -day and you hear the comments, you hear the commentary, you experience the ingrained prejudice in your own mind or in someone else, or you receive the invitation to further utter things that were going to cause problems, we're going to be prepared if we're ready. We're not going to get caught up in it. We will instead remember that it is God who is faithful to us even when we are not. We will remember that it is Jesus Christ who died for us while we were yet sinners. 
We will remember that the Holy Spirit draws us together to build the family up, and that's all the Spirit does. Nothing can threaten us when God is for us. Amen? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen? So my friends, with our faith fully invested in God, Abba, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us simply remember the victory is already won. Have faith in that truth and live accordingly. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you, you're always with us and, and you're patient with us and you have faith in us when left to our own definitions, we may decide maybe you shouldn't be. It doesn't matter. You do. So Lord, help us to live in response to that faith, that even when things aren't going the way we think they should, that's no reason for us not to have faith, to be patient. Lord, I thank you for the people who've gone before us to show us this way. Paul, people in our lives in this church and our ultimate example in Jesus Christ, whom your Holy Spirit constantly bears witness to in our hearts. Lord, help us to be more faithful in all that we do, that we may be your people, the church, in Christ's name. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.